Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefers Initiative. This is the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. I hope this mic works and that people can hear me normal. I switched mics. I didn't mess with my board, so I'm hoping all the settings translate over to this mic. I think they should. But this is episode 122 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Uh, and Herpeticulture Magazine, issue 19, just dropped yesterday. Check it out. Uh, herpeticulturemagazine.com. And all the podcasts are actually, I, I put up the feed on that the magazine page now too so you can find thp and thn in all its glory uh on the hm website now but uh i am justin smith of all medicos exotics i'm joined by mr phil wolf of the nefrutus initiative yes and this week we are joined by our buddy vic loriano from j babies reptiles yeah yeah how you doing guys <clears throat> so we'd label this as like a, a bolo episode which is like a be on the lookout for you know whoever we have on and we haven't done one of these in a very long time actually uh the last one we had was i think brian hayes at vvs exotics uh but just helping get the word out about people that we you know that we like yeah man this is a long time coming with Vic. Yeah. thank you i'm stoked I like caught uh, so you were on another show a couple weeks ago and I watched I caught most I don't know if I caught it live or not I think I did um it was with jo- John Feely yeah Feely yeah yeah um I met him through another podcaster um Chris Eaton of uh, Snakes and the Fat Man mm-hmm. and um I kind of got in touch with him because I became a pain in the ass and was just bugging him hey you need to get this person <laughs> on your show you need to get this person on your show and she's an upcoming breeder that's you know so we, you know, you have to watch out for her. She's she's an up and coming breeder that's really nice. Alyssa Leonard of uh, Full Throttle Reptiles. Mm-hmm. So she's into ball pythons and she's starting to get into other stuff like um, Eastern Indigos, uh, nice. Hognoses, stuff like that. She's got a variety of different other stuff than uh, mm-hmm. just ball pythons. So I've been bugging Chris ever so often about it. Hey, you need to get this girl on your show. Um, and one day he reached out to me. Okay, I got out to her. I reached out to her. Um, I'm going to have her on my show. And then he said, Oh, you need to come on my lives. And, um, from there, we just did every thing. It does it every two weeks on a mm-hmm. Sunday night. And I kind of like, uh, in, indulge in that at work. <laughs> so I dip in on that every so often. And, um, that's how I just started making connections. Um, John Feely was one of the guys I met there and he invited me onto his live and I was, so happened to just accept it yeah, and uh, just took it from there. That's how you do it, man. Yeah. I'm slowly starting to connect with people. I'm just like an introvert. If you want to say, I, yeah, me too. I'm right there with you, buddy. And dude, you've been, you've been hanging out with us for a long time now. Yeah. Is, I, as long I, as I've been hanging out. Well, I wanted to know how long have you two known each other? <laughs> Not that long. <laughs> What's Two it? years. No, you guys, I was, was going to say like three, two or three. Yeah, well, I, think that's it, I think it's, I think it's three, like almost. It's, it's definitely three. Yeah, because it was the the Daytona before last. Okay, I mean, like officially 
like met. Yeah. Like we had talked on Facebook and stuff prior. Yeah. So. But you guys meshed very well. Like you guys are just you know buddies. He was your best man, right, at your wedding? He was. He was at the wedding. My dad was oh, my okay. best man. Was, I only had him. I didn't have any groomsmen or anything like that. But nice. I was planning to. But I wasn't sure I, that I could I, find. I, like I didn't know he had a suit that matched mine. Otherwise, I would have said, oh, okay. "Get your ass up here." But just didn't. Uh, I didn't want to. I, I like to tell I myself that I was the second best man. Yeah. <laughs> I just I didn't know that he had a suit that was the same color because otherwise, like I didn't want to have him have to go through the process of like going and finding a suit, finding one that matches, finding one that works, and then shelling all the money for it if he's only going to wear it like twice in his life. And yeah said i'd spare him from that and he's like dude i got a suit like that that's that exact same color is that the one you wore to the wedding right yeah 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 he you, wore it and it, it would look the, like the pictures you were there yeah it was that day, day was a blur so it was it was, a, it was a hell of a shindig <laughs> but so. you had fun that's all that matters yeah man it was awesome and katie remembers it yep I don't think either of us. I think she had like maybe two drinks. I didn't have a single drink at all the entire night. Yeah, I don't think I drank at my wedding either. (laughs) I want to remember it. I don't know about other people, but we had open bar on ours. I only had the drink in the limo, the champagne, Mm -hmm. and that was it. I didn't drink or eat for the rest of the night. (laughs) I'm serious. I was just moving, hustling and bustling, Mm -hmm. greeting people. Maybe had a piece of the cake, and that was it. I didn't even I didn't eat my dinner or nothing. But well, um, if you are hungry and you like hot sauce, <laughs> then you definitely need to check out Steve's Nature and his Venom hot sauces. Nice. We recommend the cottonmouth sauce. They're all good. But that's that's Justin's pick. And then if it so happens to be that you're hungry and you say, "Hey man, I really want to build or get a cage or a rack." Then you go over and you hit up Sean at MP Cages and Exotics. And you talk to him about your needs, and he can accommodate. He can facilitate. Custom fabrication to your needs. We just we didn't. I forgot those at the beginning, so make sure I. That's okay. It was a hell of a segue. You like that? It yeah. was good. Tastefully done. Call me butter because I'm on a roll. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, I catch your shows um, every Monday night. I work. Um, it's always like if I can get it in some downtime, yeah, I'll put on the podcast. But there's so many to choose from that night too. It's like everybody is doing a podcast in the same night. So mm-hmm. like, oh man, who do I who do I watch? So I'll watch a little bit of this and then I'll switch over to yours, or I'll just stick with yours all night. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But yeah. then at, towards the end of the night, I'm driving and I want to text because I'm like, oh, I know the answer to that. I, I can't <laughs> to this. and I can't. I'm like, no, I don't want to drive and text. I don't want to get pulled over or get into an accident. So. Yeah, we need to all like talk to each other and block out time slots so that it's like <laughs> Sunday nights, seven o'clock. Yeah. So this is like Mondays, it's carpets and coffee at one. And then we're on Monday nights. And I know there's probably four other shows that happen live. Like it's it's crazy how much the sort of the live stream and podcast thing is. Yeah, it blew up over COVID. Yeah. During COVID, everybody just started to, you know, use uh, the lives. And that's a great platform to, to connect to people, put yourself out. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, sort of just the usual introductory stuff. How, uh, when did you get into to reptiles? 
professionally or as a hobby? Both. Okay. Um, since I can remember, since I was young, I've always had reptiles and amphibians on and off. I want to say in my early high school years, from ninth grade, I've had a little bit of everything, if you want to say. Um, I start, my first reptile was a turtle. I don't know if it was wild caught or if it was from a store. Um, all I know is one of my family members was giving one away and they gave it to us. And we had it in a 10 gallon tank with some water. They said, oh, just feed it lettuce. I gave it lettuce, <laughs> left it in the window. One day I came home from school and it was dead. It was the, the, the water was gone. It was dehydrated. And I'm like, okay. I said, my turtle died, mom. And they had to throw it out. Don't worry, we'll get you something else. Then I got into annals, green annals. Those things were pretty cool. They lasted about a week. Fed them crickets, and that was it. Um, then I moved into other things. Like, I tried to set up a nice little terrarium, 10-gallon tank, with uh, reddered sliders, eastern newts, red belly newts, some wild-caught frogs. All in a 10-gallon. All in a 10-gallon. And then a week later, it just stunk as hell, and half the animals were dead. Turned into so, a battle royale at some point? It did. I think some of them ate each other, or I think, uh, I believe some of them were toxic to the other ones. So they killed them off. Just every man for themselves. Exactly. And then I got into snakes. I was definitely afraid of snakes. I'm not going to lie. Um, I just knew they bite. I didn't know anything about them at the time. They were just pretty, but I was just too afraid to touch them. Um, my first encounter was in um, Delaware. I was in the third grade, and I was come home from school early, and I'm walking in my backyard, and I seen something just slither in the grass. It caught my eye, and it was an eastern garter snake, and I went to follow it. It was going along the fence, and then all of a sudden it disappeared, but I was just too afraid to touch it. And then um, as I got older... Um, I was at my uncle's house up in Poughkeepsie, New York. And um, again, I'm in his backyard at a hill and I see this thing just slithering down the hill. So I was like, let me just go for it. I grabbed it. It, it, it must all over me. It bit the hell out of me. And I'm like, oh, this wasn't so bad. What the hell was I afraid of all this time? And ever since then, I just started collecting snakes here and there. Um, I'm not sure if you ever remember the uh, pet land. They used to have these snakes with red heads. They called them the redheaded checkered garter snakes no no these things were beautiful they had like an orange to red toned head yellow bellies checkered bellies like a corn snake and I like checkered backs so i've never seen them again after that i've always been trying to look for them and just never came across them again but they were labeled red-headed checkered chinese garters were they actual like a north american garters or no i have no idea I don't know if it was some species of keelback. Yeah, it's got to be some kind of. Yeah, it's got to be some kind of raptophus. But I had one, and I had it with my eastern garter, and um, I had those logs that you, they used to, you know, hide inside back in the mm -hmm. day with all the little holes, and I guess it was too crowded in there because both of them tried to go out one hole, and one killed the other. Wow! Yeah, they both wow. tried to go out the same hole, and it just asphyxiated the other one. Damn. Killed it right there on the spot. Yeah. See now, now I want to try and find that snake. Oh, I've snake. been trying to find them, and I've been asking around, and nobody knows. Nobody seems to know what they are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a bunch of pictures and stuff that I think it might be, and then you tell me if it is, and we'll, we'll yeah. track it down. 
Definitely. And then also back in, I want to say the early 90s, when I had when I caught my first Eastern Garter, I caught a second one in the same area. And instead of a yellow line, this one had a deep, dark red one and a blue belly. Very so cool. I'm not sure if they were common hmm. back then, but I've never seen one again since. And what? when was it that you had the... Uh... This was like in the early 90s, 91, 92. I mean, Phil wouldn't probably know where keelbacks. There was a point where keelbacks were imported really heavily. Yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff that was. I want to say it was later than that. Yeah, there was a, a lot of stuff that came out of, uh, you know, back, back when Borneo was Borneo, you know, and, and Laos didn't care about what exported, you know, they had. And a lot of that stuff came over. And just like bags wow. of what they would call, you know, Asian garter snakes. It would be four or five different species of Rhabdophis all in the same bag. You know, it was like a, a bag of Skittles, you know. Nobody nice. knew what they nobody, nobody knew what they were, but nobody knew how to take care of them either. You know? Yeah, because <laughs> you would try to get it to eat um, goldfish because that's what they said they ate. It never, I've never seen it eat a goldfish. I've tried other things, and they said, oh, he might eat crickets. I tried to put crickets in there. I've never seen him eat a cricket, and then he just died. And then I got the second one. And that's when it, the other one, my garter snake, killed it. But um, I've never seen him again since then. We'll we'll, we'll find it for you, <laughs> most definitely. That. That'd be pretty nice to get back into. So, what are you currently working on, like working um, with, and what your collection consists of? I have milks, kings, and ball pythons. Um, with the milks, I have the pueblins. I have. 1.2 and um with the hondurans i have 2.4 no actually i have more than that with the, including the babies um but yeah i have a variety of honduran milk snakes and i have uh, two pueblins with the male baby that i have and then um i got my mexican black king snakes those are freaking nice and then the gray bandit kings i've always been wanting to get a pair of those yeah, man, your Alterna are like textbook. I mean, I don't, I don't know nearly as much about them as Justin does in terms of like localities and, and different phenotypes. But dude, your gray bands are like it looks like a it looks like a, a paint by numbers or, or like a colored pencil. Like you just colored yeah. them in perfect in the lines. You know what I mean? It looks like that. And They're um, great. I got them off a guy uh, a couple of years ago. Um, he had them and he was getting out of it, and. Um, I asked him when I purchased them, I said, um, who produced these by any chance? He said, oh, some guy named Lee Abbott. And I'm like, no, stop playing. <laughs> and I was like, do you know who he is? Oh, he's some breeder that breeds corn snakes and such. I said, yeah, he's pretty well known in the reptile industry. Some of the best corn snakes in the, oh, in the, yeah. in the industry. I met, him, I met him at the uh, Tampa Repticon back <clears throat> in 2016. And he's a really down-to-earth guy. Really he is. cool. And, um, yeah, he's, he's got some amazing animals. The past two years at Daytona, he's had some really killer alterna for sale. Oh, my gosh. I remember he had a pair, an adult pair. I think they were like Christmas mountains. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, um, how much are you selling them for? He goes, oh, these are for a buddy of mine. But if you want them, seven fifty for the pair. I'm like, uh, okay. But I don't have the money right now, so I'll pass. Yeah, Christmas mountains, that's, that's like the one locality that everyone seems to want and nobody seems to really have. Yeah, uh, those things. I, are I had the pair, but I traded Chris Painchab for the. the yeah, I was trying to get the box. I was trying to find your sub box. I'm sorry, I, did, I failed. 
But yeah, I, I would love to get a pair of Christmas mountains because if you could really line breed those, the the red and black ones, all black and red. Oh my gosh, those things are mm -hmm. gorgeous. You don't yeah, find those anywhere. How old I are think, yours? Are you planning on breeding those at some point soon? Um, they're three years old, okay. or probably four now. Um, I bred yeah. them last year, and I got a clutch of um nine, and mm -hmm. only six made it. And those things, the babies are so tiny. Dude, yeah. And they're talking about hard to get going. Those have so those alterna bar none have been the hardest snakes to get started. Yeah, but like that's they what beat chondros, me. they beat the cyania. <laughs> like they're but they I'm make not those up. look easy. Yeah. I it's, still have, I, I kept a pair for myself and I traded the other four for the uh pair of Mexican black kings and my Annery Honduran. Mm -hmm. And um so I kept a pair for myself just because they were just out of the bunch, they were the most stunning, eye appealing. And um they've been a pain in the butt to get to eat. And one time out of the time I had them, they've taken a pinky. And then they went back to lizards again. They didn't want to eat a pinky again. I'm like, what the hell did I do wrong? So I, I found another alternative. I washed them, the, the babies with soap and then um, dried them off. And then I found, by chance, I found a uh, analeg mm -hmm. that was still in the ground. I popped it, took the albumin, poured it all over, rubbed it all over the babies, and one of them took right away. Wow. Yeah. I think we... Uh... So my dad got that pair of Christmas mountains. Uh, this was when he was still keeping all his king snakes and stuff. Um, and he had a guy send him some, I think they were fence lizards. I could be wrong. I have to look. And we ended up freezing one of those and I sent it with that. And it was instant. Like, yeah, they, they so I, I think I like thought... native lizards are definitely sort of the, yeah, that's the, the genetic key. code to, to get them to, yeah. to go. Um, I'm going to try something different this year with the, if they go again. Um, I'm going to try when they're in the incubator, um, keep some type of lizard scent in there mm -hmm. with the babies. So as they get out or even better yet, um, probably um, what is it? Uh, mice droppings or something like that, like mm -hmm. the bedding that they're in, just leave it in there with the eggs so they get used to the scent. I heard um, through, I think it was um, Dan Colette or something like that mm -hmm. from TSK. Yeah. They they said something about that. They sent their baby, they leave like a scent in the incubator with the eggs to get the babies used to that smell. Mm -hmm. And it it's works. Worth a shot. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff that I've heard people do just in general in the, in the hobby that I'm like, that doesn't sound like it would work, but you know, lo and behold, it does. So I mean, yeah. you can't even, you can't really rule anything out anymore, you know? So I just fed them today and surprisingly they both took a pinky. No problem. I was shocked. I mean, that is the nice thing. Like once they get going, you don't yeah, have to they, worry they, about they, it anymore. They're rock exactly. solid. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping to grow them up and breed them eventually. Now that, that said that you just fed, were those pinkies, you know, egg washed or no? Yes, I did. I washed them okay. again this time and I put them in a separate container with a lid with a hole on it, dropped the pinky in there, put the, put the alterna in there and I came back five minutes later they had a belly and no pinky. So I'm like, oh, okay. It worked. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, did you put any egg on the pinky after you washed it? No, not today. Not today. Last 
last time I fed two weeks ago. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> and then I got a small collection of ball pythons. Yeah, that's a uh, an interesting combination. Yeah, know, the, the colubrids and 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 balls. Yeah, I've always been attracted to the different colors and patterns of those. Mm -hmm. So they're like a little side hobby of mine. My wife seems to like that more than the colubrids. She won't touch the colubrids. She she'll gravitate to the ball pythons. Just because they're too spazzy. Makes, I'm sorry. They just too spazzy. The colubrids. She almost decapitated one. Jesus. She did. She was trying to show it off to a friend of hers, one of the uh, Pueblins. Mm -hmm. And as soon as she popped the tub open, it darted out and she closed it right away and she almost decapitated it. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So. Man, I've got two beards. Maybe three. And every time I go to pull them out, you would think that I was trying to light them on fire. I mean, yeah. like, not just like moving quick. I mean, like, springing moving as fast as possible when i have them tailed they're death rolling they're lunging like yeah. they're, oh my god it's <laughs> like every time i gotta deal with them dude like none of the other snakes in my collection be it the ganya soma or anything like that or that that nutty but for yeah, some reason my weblins are like that you would think after holding them for so long they'd be used to me no yeah. and then i pop that tub open they're like who are you and they just try to go out yep Oh my goodness. And then I have one escape artist. She's done she's done escaped her tub three times. And I'm like, how does she get out of that tiny little crack? She does. And I've I said to that to myself many times, buddy. If there's a if there's a crack, there's a way. Don't don't trust it. <laughs> if there's a gap, seal it up. I've torn my room three times apart to find them and they're always in the least suspectable place. Do you my have wife, a door sweep? I'm sorry, what? Do you have a door no, sweep? I don't have a door sweep, no. See? Phil, he doesn't have a door sweep. Look, it's only a matter of time before he gets one. He's an intelligent fellow. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Just give it time. He will get one. You know what? It, you know what's going to happen is he's going to be in Home Depot buying something. I mean, whatever. And I have a door sweep in my garage. I just don't want to put it in my bedroom. <laughs> so Wait, so you have it like in your hand ready to go or is it on a door in the garage? It's. No, my I have one ready to go door sweep in my garage. My father-in-law bought <laughs> a bunch of them. For me to put around the house, I just yeah. never got into doing it. Oh, you you got kids, right? Yes. Make them do it. No, it, it, <laughs> I, I, it, it's like pulling teeth, trying to get them to go around my yard, picking up twigs and leaves. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. Yeah. Like so let me ask you, how big are your uh, Mexican blacks? They are, I want to say they're about a... 12 inches right now. They're getting a little girthier now. They're growing for some reason. Um, when I got them, I weighed them at 10 and 11 grams. And now they're like almost 30. Wow. So yeah. are they spastic or no? Not really. They just okay, rattle their tail Because I've had a lot of king snakes over the years and I got a pair from Marcus and these are probably probably around 15, 20 grams, something like that. And they rattle their tail, they cock back, they never strike unless it's food. But if you look at them wrong, they think they're a coach whip. No, I, they, I've, I've never trip. had, yeah, I've never had king snakes, like any of the king snakes I've kept, you know, almost everything on the Eastern Seaboard. And like, they just, they just haul ass. I don't understand it. Yeah. So I think I'm just going to have to play with them more. Yeah. Just get them used to you, I guess. That's why I liked Alterna so much, man. They didn't have that, like, that, just spazzy 
crazy food drive that you know your easterns your brooks you know yeah. all those eastern uh that eastern clade yeah. yeah my 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 gray bandits um when i first got them um they just must the hell out of me mm -hmm. they i've never i don't think they've ever been held i've never had one bite me no they don't bite they yeah. just musk you and my gosh it stinks and i'm like what the hell did you eat it smells like fish it smells mm -hmm. like rotten fish and yeah it I'm does like, oh, man. yeah so after holding them for so long they they've calmed down so much not even like when i open the tub like they'll stick their, their head out the hide are you ready to feed me and that's it and then they'll go back inside but yeah. they if i pick them up and handle them they're chill now you keep all the colubrids the same in terms of like bedding and and, and temperatures and stuff because they're they're yes. fairly yeah yes um i have all my snakes except for the hatchlings in one rack system and I have it divide. I have them on belly heat, and I have them divided with two thermostats. I have the my ball pythons on the lower five tiers, and I have their thermostats set to ninety. And then the other ones, the colubrids, I have them on the up, the top five tiers, and I have them set to eighty-one. And I have an ambient temperature in my room, which is like seventy-four to seventy-six. Mm -hmm. So that's just how I keep them. Perfect. Perfect. I like to separate them and have them in their own, you know, enclosures and stuff. But for now, this is what I do. It works. What was the initial draw that as far as like what you're working with, like what made you say, I really like colubrids and then I really like ball pythons. Like that's um, like why those specifically, was there anything in particular or was it just a, I've always been fascinated with the colubrids since i was young um i remember um going to i worked in a pet store in a pet store in my high school and college years and the owner used to have he used to bring in all kinds of colubrids and pythons and stuff and i worked with each species and for some reason i was always drawn to the colubrids only because the patterns and colors of these animals the temperaments were pretty you know they were docile i never had any complaints not like you hear now, um, like king snakes bite more than anything because of their food response. Um, and as far as the pythons go, um, I remember back in the early 90s when I was in high school and I started working at a summer youth program. I saved up my money. And I bought my first wild import bull python, paid 80 bucks for it. <laughs> and it was wow. freaking cool. Didn't eat for shit. Even as much as I tried to feed it, um, I tried different things and I couldn't get it to eat for anything. And it wound up dying on me eventually after a few months, but it was awesome to have. So, but then when I went to my first reptile expo back in 2010, 2011, um, it has blown up by then. I always thought just ball pythons were normal, but then I started seeing all the different morphs out there and I'm like, wow, these things are amazing, but the prices were ridiculous. So I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to stick to the Kluvers. They're a lot cheaper. So that's where I'm with that. I got you. Have you ever wanted to keep like carpets or anything like that? Uh, not really in the beginning, only because I had a, a fear of larger snakes. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll go back to when I worked in the pet store. Um, I remember one of my coworkers, 
we used to bring in a lot of people would like own different species of carpets and species of other boas and we would take in unwanted animals right. and try to either find them a new home or keep them for ourselves one in particular incident um my friend wanted to show me a a, a wild boa constrictor it was like a six foot boa and um he was like oh this thing came in nasty and i tamed it here let me show you and the minute he opened up the tank he put his hand in it and grabbed him and pulled him into the top into the tank and i turned pale white like a ghost and i'm like what the what just happened and i couldn't i couldn't do anything but just watch in horror i'm like yeah no i'm getting out of snakes and so the larger colubrids, I mean, the larger pythons, I'm trying to ease my way into them slowly, but surely. So you need a brettles, man. Oh, yeah. that's, my next, that's my next python that I want to get. My next large snake. You need to hit up so, Casey Cannon. Cool. I, I know I reached out to him about some information as far as like how to keep them, where to keep them in and so on. And he was very kind enough to show me the link of the article he wrote. Mm -hmm. So I read it and I'm like, wow, these things aren't They're so different. so easy, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, you put them in a box. They're like, I couldn't, they're like the black widows of snakes. You can put them in an empty box and they're going to thrive. Yeah. So no black, widows, black widows, yeah. you put them in a, just an empty container. Yeah, and that's all they need. You don't have to do anything else. They'll do everything else. I mean, you'll that's destroy true. the web every time you open it up, but yeah. they're just, they're so easy. And there's like, we said this on probably a hundred of the 122 episodes. Like they are just the complete I'm package. Just like, I'm just like amazed with their colors and patterns. They're yeah. just gorgeous. And then the Angolan pythons are even nice too. They look like a crossbreed between carpets and ball pythons. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But they're just so expensive, man. I'm like, I'm not yeah. up to that level yet. I'll get there eventually. But um, I want to get um, I want to get books on them, on the different Morelias, mm -hmm. and just learn about their husbandry and stuff before I jump pull the trigger on those. And I need to have my own room, my own snake room, because right now they're in my bedroom and it's already crowded in there. So I don't want to, you know, do it any injustice by bringing one in and not have the proper enclosure for it and then wind up killing it because I didn't, you know, give it what it needed. So, yeah. Like I've, yeah. like I've said, you have to really try to kill a rattles. Like you really <laughs> got to be putting effort into it to, to make one roll. It's <laughs> you, you can't kill them like accidentally. <laughs> it does, unless you literally like shoot them into the surface of the sun. Oh my gosh. They, no, <laughs> they're just, and if you get a male, I mean, the males stay stay manageable. The females don't get huge either. You know, if they're yeah. if they're not overfed, uh, you know, males are. Yeah, Casey, I think he did mention that. He said you're better off if you're going to start them, get a male first mm -hmm. for the first year, and then if you want to get a breeding pair, you know, wait like a year or two to get the female, and then just grow them up together. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna when I get my money together, I'll probably hit him up and um, see what he has available. My wife and daughter love. My big male, like they love that snake. Like he was the and family dog almost at one point. I've had him for probably four years, and nice. he was an adult when I got him. Oh, he was an adult already. Yeah. Okay. So he's about eight years old, I believe, maybe nine. Wow. Uh. And how, how big is he? He's like five foot. Yeah, five, maybe six. 
I mean, so what's the life expectancy of them? 20 plus years, I'd imagine. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I mean, pretty sure it's 20 plus. Like I said, they're bulletproof. Like there was a point in time where I I didn't even have any heat on mine. Like they, my female was on the bottom of a stack of cages. She had no heat and she ate and everything fine. Like they don't care. You know, they, nice. they really don't. They have heat now, but you know. Yeah, that's how it was with me when I first started. I didn't have any heat. I just went with ambient temperatures, kept them in a little, kept my snakes in a little plastic uh, critter keeper. Mm-hmm. And after they started getting a little, they started outgrowing. And I told my wife, I said, listen, I kind of convinced her. I was like, I need to get a rack system for these. And she allowed me to build one out of an Ikea bookshelf. And nice. Nice. I was like, that. it looked like crap, but you know, what do you do the first time building something? Um, but I did, I made it work and um, I got them some, uh, what is it? The heat pads. And I just left it with the heat pad on in the back. And then, it, and I'm hearing stories. Oh, you need to get a thermostat. I'm like, what's a thermostat? Oh, that's what's going to regulate the temperature. I was like, no, I just leave them with the heat mat. They're fine. They're like, dude, you're going to cook them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took the heat pads off and I just left them without the heat for a while until I, I said, you know what? I'm going to build a bigger rack. And then I just built this monstrosity that I have now. It's like a seven foot tall monstrosity of a rack system. <laughs> I like it. If, it. if it works, it works. Yeah, it worked. It works. I've had it for about three years now. Let me see. No, I built it in 2018. 19, 20. Yeah, three years. And just remember, man, like pythons, colubrids, it's the same thing. It's just one's a little bigger than the other. So the same, yeah. like, with, with the exception of particular species, obviously, like your feed response is going to be very similar. Your handling overall is going to be very similar. You know, pooping cycle and feeding cycle and watering cycle. Like, it's, it's all relative, man. So I, I don't think you should be uh, uh, discouraged at all from something that gets five foot opposed to something that only gets three, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely agree. Brettles, brettles all the way. Yeah, that's... Like I said, that if I get another python species, that's going to be the next one. And then hopefully when I expand and I get my own place, I would like to explore other python species, especially the uh, Australian ones like the Womas, blackheads. Uh, I would like to get a pair of uh, the ring pythons. Yeah. Those yeah. Things are like, Casey had some of those at 1.2. He hated them. He hated them? Yeah, I've heard, heard a lot of people though talk about them, and they're just they they just say that they're you know their attitude sucks, and they're just they're just they're like to I, I heard, with, but they're pretty. I heard they're like large colubrids. They eat anything. They're food aggressive. Pretty food driven. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's the same thing. The same thing with the blackheads and the womas. It's just a yeah. giant colubrid, you know. Yeah, but they just fascinated me. Yeah, man. And I mean, worst case scenario, especially if you want to move stuff out of the bedroom, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Get, get a chondro, you know, make yeah, a nice, yeah. pretty display in the living room, you know, and, and there you go. You get a nice jungle Jack. Those things are gorgeous. Yeah, man. You need to talk to yeah. Billy about that then too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's Billy's got nice some stuff cooking, man. It's going to be cool. I seen, I seen his eggs. They're yeah. Pretty nice. He, he works exa- uh, with the exactic, right? Yeah. He's got, he's got all the stuff. He's got, he's got several different types of everything. coastal morphs. He's got jungle morphs. He's got you know pop ones. You, you name it, Billy's got it. That's cool. And cool. he's even expressed interest in in trying his hand at some of the striped ball python morphs. 
Yeah, yeah, he has. His his stripe fetish is very strong. Like very. the pinstripe or the genetic stripe? Um, I think it, as long as it has lines that go laterally <laughs> down the body, then yeah, yeah the those, length, those are nice. I don't care. Yeah, he just had a, a clutch of jungles come out that are that are striped. Mm-hmm. And dude, oh, some yes. of the babies, they're just it's crazy. I'm anxious to see like, how those look after first sheds. Exactly. They give them give them two or three more sheds, get a couple meals in them, dude. They're gonna it's gonna be crazy. Yeah. So I'm curious because I'm not active. I mean, I'm not active at all in the in the ball python sort of realm, but I am always curious as to what people's takes are on sort of this current state of ball pythons. Where do you see them going? I mean, it seems to me like we're seeing sort of a, a, a renaissance of sorts where people are kind of starting to, they still have ball pythons, but they're also starting to see other things and be like, you know, that's interesting and, and trying yeah. things out. Um I've always thought of bull pythons as an entry level into reptile keeping. They're the easiest pets to own. They're like the brettles. They're bulletproof. They don't get very big. Um, very easily handleable, easy to maintain and clean. Um, they're like the staple of the reptiles. Um, I've tried. I've tried other, you know, other animals as far as like bearded dragons, geckos, and they're like the same thing like a common, easy entry-level animal. Um, it's the gateway drug of snakes. There you go. If that's if that's how you look at it, that's basically the easiest thing to answer it. Yeah, um, I mean, think about, think about how many people get into ball pythons. They get one, they yeah. get two, and they're like, wow, there's so many other animals out there. Better yet, there's so many other ball morphs, and it's just yes. snowballs, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of variety as far as um, patterns go, colors, so and it's endless and the way these the market is going with them, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So yeah, I mean, do you see it continuing? Like, do you I, like it's hard I, for yeah. me to gauge where we're at as far as like have we hit the ceiling with combinations yet? But at the same time, no, there's so they, many more. There's no way, right? No, there's still still more to come. But I, I I'm I'm looking at it like this: if I don't understand the gene, I'm not trying to invest in it. I'm not going to work with it. Because I, how am I supposed to sell it if I do go that route? Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to explain what this gene does if I myself don't know what it does? Only because everybody else is following it, and not to knock anybody to do their thing—that's that's on them. Um, I personally, like I said, if I don't understand the gene and how it works, I can't sell it. So I'm not going to invest in it. But I'll just stick with what I know. What works for me is like um, pinstripe. Uh, the pinstripe morph, spider morph, calico morph, um, the common things that everybody gets, like mm-hmm. low entry level animals, the morphs. I, I can't even keep up with it anymore. I mean, I like no, I see no, pictures no. of them and stuff on Instagram all the time. I see them at shows. And I'm like, you know, that's a really good looking ball python. It's very cool. But then it has like five genes. And I'm like, I couldn't tell you what's how any of those work. Oh. Well, I, I just I just Googled like I just went on Google. I typed in how many ball python and like you know how it automatically fills it in for you mm-hmm. it just said how many ball python morphs are there question mark so i clicked it and the first thing that comes up is si- over 6500 different morphs seriously yes. and i i feel oh like that God. and then it says like people also asked you know what's the rarest ball python what's the most expensive and it says how many different morphs of ball pythons are there like phrased a little differently and that one is from everythingreptiles.com it said 4000 morphs 
So then I went to World of Ball Pythons, and this is literally the past 20 seconds, so it's not like I prepped for this. Um, morph list of ball pythons from you know world of ball pythons.com and it says 7354 so i'm assuming that that is multi-gene combination right you know because that's just, why it, i wonder is like at what point are we gonna say like yeah like, when did we hit the we're out yeah i honestly i i can't answer that um like i said i'm just new into this with the ball pythons but i just work with what i like um and i'll just stick in that lane and that's it yeah uh, they, I mean, we, we were talking yeah sorry man we were talking to uh uh billy and casey one day about just genetic diversity and we, we go on these rants much like we do on air with you guys and and somebody was saying something where it's like you have so many different uh group combinations right and yes. we'll, we'll use we'll use the heavy hitters for example like pastel pinstripe cinnamon and piebald whatever so you've yes. got those four but like no one can trace the lineage back enough to not be it to be able to rule out that there isn't another gene in there yeah you know what i'm saying so like yeah. if we know that a and b makes d yes he's its own thing how do we like know that where's there waldo right how do we know yeah. there isn't a or b in d haphazardly so yeah, I, I think that, way, that gets guess, tricky the only way i guess to answer that is if you make the super versions of each animal and then combine them then you know for sure fact that each combination you know each gene is in that animal so that's what a lot of people are you know heading towards as far as you know guaranteeing the genetics behind the makeup um like I said, like you said, you hit it on the nail. There's too many things to go into one animal to to heart to identify it, and we haven't come across that stage yet as far as testing each animal or each gene to find out what the makeup is, so that way we can properly identify each one of them. So you're just basically just guessing more or less um, with the higher combinations there thereof, unless you know what you're working with as far as recessive wise, and then the the uh, incomplete dominant. Um, that's the, that's, like I said, that's a the guessing game for me. And that's just my opinion. And it's, it's amazing nowadays because you can actually, there, there are Punnett square calculators online yeah. that are not only like where you put the, the genes in yourself, whatever it may be, whatever yes. symbols you want to use, but then they have other ones where it's already has the morphs in like a little drop down menu. Yes. And yes. so like, let's say I have a pinstripe and a piebald and I put pinstripe and piebald, it'll make up the Punnett square for me. So yeah. whether you're into genetics or not, like I, I don't know anything about genetics, but whether you're into Neither genetics or not, it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it spells it out for you, you know, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. I just, I feel bad for people just like who come into the ball Python thing wanting to breed. And it's like, where the hell do you start? Cause my, yeah. my like my first reaction is, is like, if I come in and I just have a Mojave and a spider and I breed those and I have babies. What are the odds that someone like anybody's going to really want to buy those? Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's crazy. That's how that... I started. I, I started with a normal that I got from the local pet store, Petco. And um, then when I went to my reptile, when I went to the local Repticon in Tampa, then I started talking to other breeders and they would, you know, show me all the different morphs that they had available. And I just went across according to the price at at the start. 
not even like behind what was what because I didn't know anything about them. So I'm like, all right, what's the cheapest one you have so far? And they would show me, you know, one single gene animal. And then um, then you go from there to two genes, three genes, and so on and so forth. And then the price rose. So I'm like, all right, so this is how you base it off of. You base off each animal that you sell by, by the genes in it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at right now. I try to uh, keep everything on a low end. I'll do simple one, two, three gene animals at most. So that way it's easy for me to identify. So I'm not going to sell anything that I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to go about it. You know, it's safe for you and it's safe for your the people buying them, you know? Yeah. Because at least I know, I know the genes yeah. that I'm working with. I can guarantee that this is what it is. I'm not guessing, oh, it might be this, it might be that. I, I can guarantee that it's this or that or maybe a combination of the two. Yeah, it's great. At what point did you decide to do, like, do it as, like, a, a side business or hobby business? Um. In reality, that's what I really wanted to go for is to make this my full time thing to support my family. Mm-hmm. I just like it when I was younger, I didn't have any guidance. There was no talks of, uh, oh, yeah, you can do this. You can make money off of it. It's profitable. I didn't have anybody to guide me in that direction. And like I said, I worked in a pet store when I was in my high school and college years. And I've had a love for these things. I just didn't know where these things came from. I knew they had come from somewhere. I just didn't know how to get, get, you know, to that point. And, um, I had, I was friends with the owner, but he kept things to, you know, close to the chest where he wouldn't, you know, Hey, you can make money off of this. If you want, I can help you out and you can breathe these for yourself. And then we can split the profit. You know, you give me some, we'll sell some here at the store. You keep from some for yourself. And he never taught me any of that. So it's like, I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. It wasn't until like before I moved down to Florida that, this is what I wanted to do for a living. But I, at the time they were like, did you do your research as far as like, you know, what, you know, you can make out of this. And it all goes to, you know, how you promote yourself, how you connect with other people to get yourself out there. So you could be trusted or not trusted. Um, so that's what I'm working towards now. So just putting myself out there so people know who I am when, you know, Hey, this is Victor Loreano. He's from J babies. He's very trustworthy. He's, you know, pretty much honest. He, he's not going to bullshit you. Um, yeah, I'll buy from him. He's got some cool stuff. He's working with some cool projects. And um, if I would have known back then what I know now, I could have probably been a monster probably right now. I could have probably been yeah. up there with, like, Kevin McCurley, um, Brian Barcheck, and stuff like that. Because I was hey, into these back in the early 90s. But, like, yeah. again, I wasn't guided. Everybody was, you know, to each their own. Yeah. yeah. And it was, well, I mean, think about everything that we didn't know at that point. Yeah. Everything was just hands on. You learned as you went along. There was no sharing, you know, this is how you work with these animals. This is how you care for these animals. This is what these animals are eating. These are how you breed these animals. Um, it wasn't until, I guess, when I moved out here to Florida seven years ago. That I started looking up videos on YouTube about um, what was it? I was really looking forward to how to catch animals. I wanted to be like the what is it? Uh, what's that guy's name from Texas? Billy the Exterminator. Yeah, like wildlife removal. Yeah. So I was looking up videos on how to remove wildlife because I was like, oh, that seems like I want. 
I could do that. I could, I could remove snakes, alligators from the wild, from people's homes. And then I came across um, snake bites. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, what's this? And then Brian Barczyk is, you know, sharing all his information and tips and tricks. And I'm like, wow, there's, there's videos on this. He's giving away all his secrets. What is he doing? <laughs> I'm like, what? I said, where the hell was I? I was living under a rock all this time. I didn't know this was available. And then I started going into that and I started expanding. I, I saw Jay Brewer and then I came across um, Joe Phelan on his mm -hmm. thing. And then I'm like, wow, you could breed corn snakes. And that's how I started. I was like, I want to breed corn snakes. And that's when I convinced my wife to let me start breeding. And then she was like, after years of back and forth, no. And um, I just went about it my own way. And then um, got my pair of corn snakes and uh, looked at his videos on how to do it. And then I just tried it myself. And then I, and by all means, I mean, it just, it just happened. I was excited that I got to breed my own corns and uh, hatched them. It's awesome. It never gets old. Never you know, gets old. Seeing those heads poking out. The uh, yeah, it's funny how it kind of went the other way. Like it started out, you know, in the early days, people didn't, you know, wouldn't share anything. You know, you weren't getting any information out of anybody. You know, yeah. now it's like the complete opposite. Like everyone posts everything you ever wanted to know about anything. Yeah, is on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. There's also a lot of bad advice too. Yeah, yeah. They gotta be mindful of that. Like people that, you know, now that everyone has a voice, so to speak. You know, yeah. there's, there's people out there that will give you bad advice. So mm -hmm. it's nice to know that you have someone like yourself that is as passionate as you are and you're very proactive in the podcast world and Facebook groups and all this stuff and local shows. And like, that's awesome, man. More good people sharing good info, sh making good animals. You know? Yeah. So uh, right now I'm just um, trying to plug myself into as many groups as I can um, just to meet people, learn stuff as I go along. Um, not just taking everything to face value, but just, you know, feeling everybody out, seeing what they have to say, um, trying to do things the right way, especially for the care for the animals. I think like I'm a firm believer that if you sort of, you try not to, to pull any fast ones on anybody you know, you let your, your animals sort of do the talking for you. Yes. And you're overall, you know, you're not a total, you know, asshole or, or shit bag in the, in the hobby. Like, I feel like that kind of stuff will just, people will know, like people can on the subconscious level, pick up on, on bullshit, you know? Yeah. And so I think the more like you, if you let the animals you're producing sort of speak for you and your customer service, uh, I think everything else just kind of comes naturally, you know? Yeah especially being there for people when they have questions. Like even if they didn't buy a snake from you, you know, someone has a question about something like they remember that they're going to remember yeah. that just as much, if not more than the guy that was like, you didn't buy it from me. Sorry. Go to somebody else. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I try to help as many people as I can with any questions that they have. And like I said, I may know the answer to it or I may not know the answer to it, but if I don't know, I will surely find the answer to it and get back to the person. And that's the nice thing is it's such a small world. Like if you don't know it, you probably know somebody that does, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. Everybody knows everybody. We got a guy. Yeah. It's such a small world. Mm-hmm. Yep.
but how do you so this is we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording but like as far as how do you stay optimistic and positive um like i i said before i work in i worked in the pet store for the most part of my high school and college years um and i learned how to talk to people how to pe- how to treat people I've learned in in the job that I have now and the previous job I had before in law enforcement, treat people as family, regardless if you know them or not. Treat everyone as they were a relative of yours. How would you like to be talked to? How would you like to be treated, regardless if if they disrespect you or not, or if they just come across as, you know, an asshole, Um, or they think they know it all? You just treat them the same. So I try to keep that mindset anytime I talk to somebody, whether it's a new person or a reoccurring customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been times where, you know, I get frustrated with the people and um, I have to just hold my tongue and just, you know, show face like, listen, yeah, you're getting under my skin right now, but, you know, I'll just endure it for the, you know, as much as you want me to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not worth it. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not worth just blowing your fuse and just going at them. Oh, you know, you don't know anything. I know better than you. You know, you're just not, you know, you just don't want to listen to me. I'm not going to do that. That's just not how I was raised. My yeah, mom was, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, my mom always taught me to just treat people with respect. And, you know, regardless if they don't treat you with respect, it just, it just, it just goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, for. I mean, for me, it's something I go back and forth with a lot. To where I feel, I feel bad and I feel guilty for being so cynical about about the hobby sometimes. But you know, at the same time, just with social media and stuff, and staying as busy as as you know I do, and Phil and I do, and Billy and I do, you know, it's it's not hard to get burnt, you know, and just be when you're inundated with it constantly. And I mean that a lot of that is of my own doing. You know, like having Facebook on your phone yeah, doesn't help. And I took it off my phone not that long ago and it's been awesome. And so I'll take breaks periodically, but I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it's something I struggle with because I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be negative, but at the same time, it's, you know, I, you know, maybe it's just, maybe that's just the way I am, you know? And yeah. Phil's, Phil knows what I'm talking about because Phil's seen me vent. Yeah. yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, mean, talking, I think you were brushing up on that last year, your last podcast, and that's when I wanted to chime in and say, "Oh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I get it. I get it." But it, it, I get you. It's it's just hard for me. I just I look at it like this: if I see something that's going on in in Facebook or something, and I don't agree with, I you know, I just choose to ignore it and just keep scrolling. Yeah, and just yeah. go to something Pretty that much. I find. And just go to something I find that I like, all right, unless my name is mentioned in it, mm-hmm. um, then I'm like, please leave me out of this. I don't want nothing to do with this. Right. And just keep going. Just keep it moving. Yeah. And I mean, I've worked retail almost my entire life and I've been burnt out from retail plenty of times, you know, like yeah. and the, the whole concept of the customer's always right. Well, guess what? Yeah. They're not always right. No, lot, most exactly. of the time they're wrong, but yeah. I would rather you know, as my dad would always say, rather kill them with kindness. Yes. You know what I mean? And keep my sanity and know that they're just, they're just poopy. You yeah. Know? 
and there's nothing you can do about it. I get guys that come to my work, and you can tell right out of the gate, they just want to argue. Yeah. Like, that's just their MO. Like, they, you have no idea what's going on in their personal life. You have no idea what's going on in, in their world, that they're, their little bubble that they're in. And sometimes they, they just want to take it out on people. They just they yeah. want to argue. It doesn't matter how nice you are. They're still going to get annoyed or, you know, misery loves company. And, of course. And, you know, I try and tell everyone every chance I get that I just try and be me. You know, not everyone's going to like me, you know, but if they do, rock and roll. And yeah. just let it roll. Just like I tell my wife, you can't please everybody. Mm-hmm. And my wife is the type that, you know, I have to please everybody. I'm like, babe, you can't. You can't. You got to take care of you first. Your sanity comes first. If if there's no you, how are you going to take care of everyone else? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, what you were saying before about killing with kindness, um, you don't know what people are thinking. Um, back in New York, I was a peace officer. I worked for a private company. And um, I did law enforcement ed for almost 15 years. And you come across the nastiest of nasty people. You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know what they, you know, what day they had. I came across somebody that was drinking a beer in public. And by nature, you have to give them a ticket. I mean, you don't have to, but again, it's the law. You have to, you know, it's show advised. face. Yeah. So I come on this. I come upon this one guy that's drinking, and he's on the phone arguing with whoever he was arguing with. And I, you know, I told him politely. I said, "Excuse me, sir. Um, is that a beer you're drinking? Yes, yeah, a beer. Why? What's it to you?" And I'm like, "Well, you can't be out here drinking. Oh, screw yourself." And I'm like, "Whoa, uh, like, dude, do you not know who you're talking to?" I said, "All right, let me get your ID." And then, you know, oh, why are you gonna you're gonna give me a ticket? I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna give you a ticket now. You you you." You just cut me off and just became an asshole to me. You know, you leave me no choice. I'm trying to be polite to you. Just trying to, you know, I was basically going to tell you to go somewhere else. But now you're, you know, you're coming at me. So now I got to do what I got to do. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm having a bad day. And I'm like, all right, let's talk. What's going on? And I calmed him down just by talking to the guy. And he was like very apologetic afterwards. He goes, you know, I'm having a bad day. Um, And I smoothed things over with him. I'm like, all right, just, you know, be you know, cognizant of your surroundings, you know that you can't be out here drinking in public. Just, you know, go inside your building and just enjoy your beer there. He goes, all right, man, just, you know, thank you very much for giving me a break. And it's, it's, it works for whatever reason. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I don't know. It lacks the, uh, the main <laughs> ingredient of the internet, which is anonymity. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, but the difference I try, is... I try, I try to stay away from all that. Yeah, but I mean, the difference is, at least on the internet, you can, quote-unquote, keep scrolling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, most of the time I do. You know, I don't even... Like, there's been times where I've started typing something out and just erased it. Like, why am I wasting my time? This isn't going to... This is going to... Yeah. You know? yeah. It's going to go nowhere. People are going to have their opinion, and that's just what it is. Let them to it. Let them have at it. It's just tough. It's tough for me. I don't know what it is, you know? I'm just you know, everybody's different. If we were all the same, this place would be boring. Yeah. I uh, My current employer gave me a pep talk once. Uh, so I've been where I'm at for well over 10 years now. And probably right around the, the five or six year mark, he sat me down and he's like, I'm, I'm very, uh, very prideful of my work. Right. Yes. And my father, we come from a line of farmers and, you know, there's the old expression, you ride for the brand, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning like the actual cattle brand, you know? And uh, old cowboy mantra. And 
my dad taught me that as a kid. He's like, you know, be prideful what you do and you know, ride for the brand. And, you know, doing a good job and being proud in your work will reward you in some way or another. Yeah. And at the place I'm at now, you know, I took immense pride, almost to the point where it, I felt like it was mine, you know? Yeah. And my employer obviously loved and appreciated that. But he sat me down one day and he's like, listen, man, you're taking a lot of these customers way too personally. It's like they're not insulting you because they think the price is too high. They're not insulting you because their product was defective or whatever. Yeah. You, you just gotta you gotta not take it personally, and yeah. it took me a while to figure that out, um, mm-hmm. but I did, and it, it was immensely helpful when I did figure it out because there's always gonna be another customer, there's always gonna be of another course. day, and what's the point in getting angry or upset or or sad over someone that you may never see them ever again? Yeah, whether they bought something or not, whether they returned something or not, whatever it is. I mean, speaking generally of retail sales, but it's kind of the same thing with with the social media and with, with reptiles is that we have so many great people in our community that we are going to continue to commiserate with. Yes. And then you'll get the one shit bag that comes out of the blue. You'd be like, who the hell is this guy? And, and it gets into your skin and you take yeah. it personally. And I got to remind myself, this guy he's an idiot or this person, this faceless individual with a, a, a faceless tagged screen name. They're an idiot, whatever. Yeah. Keep on scrolling, you know? Of so, course. For me, maybe I'll look at it a little differently. Cause I, I mean, I get customers like that at work and I don't take it personally necessarily, but it's just frustrating. Cause it's, it's especially now that tourist season's in full swing. Like it's, it's almost a daily occurrence. Uh-huh. And so it's sort of like just being over, you know, like when you're, you know, if you have kids, you know, and it's bedtime and every night your kid fights you on going to bed and doesn't want oh, to go yeah. to bed. It's like after a while, you're like, okay, I'm tired of playing. I'm tired of playing the game. I'm tired of doing the dance. Yeah. It's like me so it's, in, you're in the mornings. And more the process and like the fact that it's <laughs> that the, the, the situation itself, not the actual person, just the fact that you're tired of that happening. Of course. I got. I deal with that every day. I got four kids, and they they fight, they fight, they fight. It's a pain in the butt to get them up for school, to get them ready for school, out the door. They fight with me, and they, it's a routine, a daily routine. It's frustrating, and I tell them, I'm like, I'm upset. You're upset with me, Dad? No, I'm just upset at the fact that I kept going through this with you all the time. You're always fighting with your sister. Yeah. You're always fighting with your brother. You don't want to get up. You don't want to listen to me. You don't want to do your chores. I, I, it's, it's, it's a constant battle with them. So, yeah, but I, I feel you on that. But the difference is, is that well, obviously, I don't have a wife. I don't have kids, so I'm no one to talk. But you know, like going back to what I know is retail sales. There's always the, the, the saying of tag out. So if you've got multiple people on the sales floor and I'm dealing with a guy or a girl or whatever that is just not a, not going well, whatever yeah. it may be, I can always say something like, uh, will you excuse me for one moment and I'll just walk away. Yeah. And when, whether, well, well, no, 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 no. Someone, <laughs> someone's, well, that's the thing. Someone's, someone's always got to come back. So I'll either go and collect my thoughts and remind uh-huh. myself that this person sucks, but you know, kill them with kindness, just be yeah. the better, be the bigger man. And I'll go back or I'll go to my coworker and be like, yo dude, I got to tap out. Like go, yeah. go fit. And then they'll come in and be like, hi, my name is, you know, 
Andrew and you know I'm, I'm Phil had to go handle something in the back room. I'm going to take over for him. Phil's yeah. in the back crying. I'm I'm, I'm going to be taking <laughs> yeah, care right. of the rest. Of the right, butt hurt. right. <laughs> well, or at the same time, but, but again, you can't do that with your children. But both of you do have wives. You know what I mean? And you have uh, other kids. You know, Vic. And I always feel like there's a way to 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 tap out without having to tap out. Does oh, there totally sense? is. Yeah, you know? it's it, it's like in my job now, um, when you're dealing with, I deal with a bunch of students, and some of them think they know better than you, because, you know, they're in a, a high class school. Um, and when we come across a situation, when we're trying to reprimand them, and um, they get they can get under your skin. And they'll get to the point where, you know, they're just not listening to you whatsoever, they're getting under your skin, and they're trying to elevate to see where you're going to go with the situation. We always call in pairs. So just in case if I become overheated or overwhelmed with the, uh, with the situation, my coworker will step in and say, Hey, um, go take a break, go out there. I got this and I'll just walk away. Mm -hmm. So that's like, it's like a buddy system. So I, I get what you're saying with that, Phil. I don't have that. I'm, I'm, I'm all, all by myself. No, you're not by yourself. You do have a wife. And at the same time, <laughs> I mean, it works. If Oh, no, but at work, you could do the same thing. Say, hey, man, I'll be right back. No, they... I've actually just turned around and walked out. <laughs> okay. Like, it's one of those things where, like, legitimately, like, someone's, they want recommendations. And so you start giving them recommendations, and they have a reason why they don't like every recommendation you give them. And it gets right. to the point where I'm like, all right, let me know if you have any any other questions. And I just walk out. It's like, yeah, yeah that, but, that's, but, that's you, but that's you tapping out appropriately. Sometimes I don't yeah. say anything, and I just turn around and leave. Well, let me know when you need anything. Exactly. Exactly. And people, the people haggling for, they want deals. <laughs> let me get a discount. <laughs> let me get a but free cutter. I can recommend you to the, uh, the gas station right at the block. They have a five for one deal over there. Yeah. Well, what I think is interesting is, is Justin and I, is, we both work retail and we both, it's, it's dynamically different types of retail, but the client base is exactly the same in oh, yeah. both of our businesses. It's the only, it's the only shopping that I can really think of where a discount is expected. And I'm not talking about yeah. like when you go to a car dealership and you're like, Oh, what are you going to do for me? Like, yeah, that's, you, that's totally, you know that they'll do it. Right. That's totally different. But they come into my store and they look at the price tag and they expect me that this is the price. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's what's on the tag. Right. <laughs> so I said, you know, do you go into the grocery store and haggle over the price of a gallon of milk? Well, yeah. no, that that's different. That's a grocery store. I was like, not how is the same it? thing. It's a commodity. Exactly. So and that's what I, I actually told that to a guy the other day at work. He's a guy that comes in all the time. Oh yeah. He, every time he always wants wants something for free. And I'm like, dude, I was like, you go to he's like, man, he's like, I'm in here every day. I'm like, I'm in Parker's every morning. Yeah. <laughs> they don't give me anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I like it when people they're like, "Oh man, you know, if I if I give you if I give you gas station, just for yeah. they they're always like, "Hey man, if I pay cash, can you can you take off the tax?" Yeah, and I immediately my response to everyone is, "Got to pay Uncle Sam." Exactly. And then if they don't know who Uncle Sam is, then I usually be like, "Hey man, you like your your rights as a as an American, mm -hmm. right?" And they're like, "Oh well, blah, 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 blah. well, you got to pay your taxes," you know. Exactly. Exactly. I, um, when was it? Uh, a few months ago, I was at my local shooting range. Uh, my brothers were in town, and um, I was listening to a conversation behind me with one of the sales reps and a customer. He was like, Oh, 
what th these guns are freaking awesome, but they're a little high. There's another gun show coming up. Let's go over there. The guy shut them down real quick. He goes, yeah, you can go there. You may get a better deal. But at that time, at when you go to gun shows, there's no, what is that? What do they call that? There's no um, limit to how much they can, you know, charge you. Like if you go here, the gun is five hundred dollars. Right, there's like there, an MSRP that retailers sort of have to stay you. around. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's what it was. So he's like, "Yeah, you can go there, but you, you're not gonna get the same price that you had over here. They can charge you whatever they want." Mm -hmm. So the guy had to think about. It. He goes, "Oh shoot, I didn't think about that." He was trying to get over on the sales rep, but the sales rep knew he was on cue. Told him right there, "Hey, you can go there if you want, but you're gonna pay whatever they charge you, and they can't. You can't argue with what they what they're asking." I've had people say that about other shops in other states. Yeah. Like they're in town from Ohio or something. And they're mm -hmm. like, man, these are cheaper where I, where I get them, you know, in my, yeah. in, in my hometown. I'm like, okay, you're not in your hometown right now. You not go get them in your hometown. Like, there what you do go. you want me to do about that? And this isn't price match. This isn't, this isn't, exactly. maybe let's make a deal. Yeah. Do you see a sign on the, the window there saying, Hey, we match any, anyone's around in other, any other state. Well, I think it's funny is is that the internet is so amazing in everything that we do. You know, it's literally infinite ability at your fingertips. Yeah, and I'll too have much power that, for one man, right? Oh, so, I find it extremely uncouth for someone to be internet shopping my prices on my sales floor. Now, I won't be that guy and be like, "Hey, man, you're you're shopping the price right in front of me. Like, you're gonna be that rude." Like, I don't say that because that's gonna start an argument. Yeah. But but they will always say, hey, man, and they'll hold their phone up and they'll show me the screen. Be like, hey, it's it's only X, X, Y, and Z at such and such shop. And I will usually say, you know what? Call them. Is it in stock? Because now what people are doing is because the Internet is so amazing, mm -hmm. they will they'll take your money and then use that money that you paid as the capital to order or buy that product and yeah. then ship it and then ship it. So they don't even have it in inventory. Well, of course, we do. We, we have physically have a tangible item that you can hold and look at. So I got for the longest time, I got a lot of people that would come in and they would, you know, touch and feel and play with my stuff and then go and buy it on the Internet, which I get it. It happens. You know, we, we do it with jewelry. We do it with cars. You test drive the car and buy it from a dealership somewhere else. I get that. But I find that there is a lack of couth. There is a lack of class. Yes, with, I hear with that, that a lot. Internet too. based I get stuff. these. I get these for X on online. It's like okay, and then then buy them there, man. More power to I'm sure they'll be yeah. all nice and dry and crack when you cut them as soon as they come in too. Yeah, and now Whatever. don't don't get me wrong. I've actually had customers who were who were cool who were like, "Hey, man, you're selling that for twenty bucks? Yeah, I'm selling for twenty bucks. Hey, man, they're eight dollars on this website, and I'll go really, and I'll look at it, and they're not telling me." because they want to complain or they want a discount. They're telling me because they know I pay more than $8. So then yeah. I'll go on there and I'll buy all of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that I can sell them for, for 20 or whatever it is. So I've had that happen, which is cool. But, uh, but yeah, I think that there is a, a, a certain level of class that is, and I don't mean like, you know, class in terms of like how much money you make. I mean, in terms of being like a classy person or yes. having having uh, uh, shopping moral proof, compass, um, yeah, having a good moral compass and just being a polite individual that that gets tainted or, or, or dusty from the internet. Um, and we see it with the reptiles, just trying to cir circle back to what we're talking about. We see it from reptiles of, oh, wow, well, they're so expensive. Well, yeah, because 
it's captive bred and it is uh -huh. of a particular genetic line and because that person has a sterling reputation and what have you. So I think that happens in chondros more than anything else. Probably, people yeah. say, you know, it happens with a yeah. lot of a lot of different animal species. You know, captive bred beox. So I can get this at a show for three seventy. I think I had someone tell me that in a message one time. You know, I told him the price. Like I can get them at, for three seventy five at the show, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You, you can pay three seventy five, but I'm pretty sure it's wild caught. And oh, it, it definitely gonna last you, It's not going to last you any longer than you know the next one. Um, or they'll say another breeder has them for this, and it's like, okay, that's a cool, you know, that's a friend, that's a cool dude. Go buy them from him. Yeah. I don't care. Like, I don't have to sell any of these things. Like, I'd be, exactly. I can hold on to every single one of them. I would. Yeah. Like, you're not, you're not hurting me or you know, affecting me at all by trying to leverage, you yeah. know, someone else's price to get a snake from me. It's like, I'll sell I get that forever. I get that all the time when I sell my babies. Oh, but I this person's selling it for cheaper. Or I can get it cheaper over here. I'm like, all right, well, if that's how you feel, I'm sorry, you know, have at it. Go somewhere else. Yeah. They, they I, don't understand. You're only getting the byproduct of what you're producing. They don't know what's going behind it. They don't mm -hmm. know that you had to raise the babies up to adulthood, had to feed them. Yeah, that to, you've been waiting you know, on that clutch care. for four years. Yeah. The and then when you finally get them to breed, you don't, you know, they don't know all that goes behind it. The back, the back doors, they only see what you're selling. Yeah. They don't see the overhead. Exactly. And, and, and again, just trying to circle back around to the original, you know, topic at hand. I feel like with the with the reptile people on the Internet and the groups and just the trolling and all that, it it just goes back to at the end of the day, we do this because we love this. And we associate with the people that we associate with in our community because they also love this. Yeah, and I think that that is a major morale boost. I mean, at least for me, like it's a huge morale boost knowing that not only do I th think this stuff is awesome, but so many other people do, and yeah. they're, they're they're eager to to we are eager to feed off of each other yeah. in that in that knowledge and that that fascination, you know. And I have to I don't have to remind myself, but I do remind myself. I'm like, there's a reason why I do this. There's a reason why we have these podcasts. There's a reason why we have a magazine. There's a reason why. We make Instagram pages and show off pictures and share each other's photos of these amazing yeah. creatures. And I think that is a huge morale boost for for diminishing the the pessimism or getting burnt out on something. You know, it's just reminding ourselves like, oh, man, I am friggin' sick of this. But there's a reason why it was in this in the first place. And I gotta remind myself that. I think that's a that's a great thing. It is. This is such a beautiful community community that we have, um, and it's growing ever so rapidly, and it's going to continue to grow as we continue to spread the knowledge and love of these animals that we have. It's just going to continue to grow, and it, it sky's the limit with this. It's like we're just at the tip of the iceberg, and then there's like a whole iceberg underneath the water that we're seeing. So... Yeah. I just stay positive. Um, yeah, like I said, I just stay positive, and um, just like I said, if it's if it's not concerning me, I just stay in my lane and just bypass it. Um, just gravitate towards whoever's positive, giving out, sharing out their knowledge as far as how to keep animals, what tips and tricks are working for them, what doesn't work for them, because that's what basically I feel like I'm doing right now. I'm just just sharing my journey as far as what not to do 
because I feel like sometimes what what do I have to bring to the table? There's these guys that are breeding chondros. There's these guys that are breeding anacondas, and they're they're well known. Like who am I? So I'm like, well, I look at it like this. I may not know as much as the next person, but I know more than the person that's just coming in. And I'll just give them my experience as far as what not to do. Like, hey, you shouldn't, you know, like, hey, this is a cool thing to get into, but take your time. Mm -hmm. Just know what you, you know, look into it, do your research, find out what you really like. Don't just start looking at it like at a price, like, oh, what can you afford? I'm sorry. That was, my wife is leaving now. Um, look at it like, all right, what do you want to work with? What is it that, you know, what excites you about this particular animal? Like, what do you see yourself doing in the next five years? Stuff like that. Um, I tried to give advice to uh, a customer of mine and because they were like, oh, I want to get this. I want to get that. And I said, hey, listen, maybe, you know, just want to slow your roll a bit. You know, these things are high maintenance. Some of them are. Um, it's going to take a lot of time and patience to deal with each species because you still don't know what you're talking, you know, you still don't know what you're doing as far as like the husbandry wise for each animal. I said, um, don't just go over, you know, buying this and that because you can afford it. Cause then at the end, you're just going to be overwhelmed with all these animals that you have to mm -hmm. take care of. And then you're just going to crush your, 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 your dream. So maybe work yeah. with a couple of species and um, just feel them out. See if you this is what you want to do, and then go from there. Yeah, and I think can, people, Candoya are a good example of that. I think a lot of people see female Candoya that are gravid, you know, yeah. imported, and don't realize just what a nightmare those babies will be to get started, and they get discouraged easily because they come to find out that you know they they take some work, they take a lot of work yeah. to yeah. get started. Of course, it's funny. It's funny you brought that up because I I have an old friend who. Uh, his daughter is probably six or seven now, and she's completely obsessed and enamored with wildlife. And uh, he does a lot of backyard herping and stuff. And yeah, uh, she want she wanted a snake. And uh, his brother uh, is actually I know him because his brother was a venomous guy many moons ago. And he came to me and he's like, "Hey, I, I got a couple milks." And uh, he's like, "I really want to, you know, let my daughter see the whole breeding process." And, boy and the girl and the eggs and incubating and like as a kid to see that like I, I have to remind myself like how amazing that is seeing that for the first time you know yeah. and just being this excited kid and he told me he's like listen I really want to make some kind of like milk morph or maybe a Jurassic and I told him I was like listen I think hybrids are cool but don't do that because what's your plan with the babies once they hatch he goes well I figured I'd get them eaten and then, you know, she can, his daughter can help and participate in that. And that's another activity for them to do and for her to learn. He's like, and I was just going to sell them, you know, you know, maybe go to a reptile show and sell them to a couple of different people, some to some friends. I was like, yeah, but now you're starting, you, you need to make something quote unquote that or produce something that you know is going to move yeah. because you don't want to get stuck with all these friggin' hybrids that nobody wants. And mm -hmm. now you've got 15 King snake hybrids. What are yeah. you, you know? What are you gonna do? So he's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. So now he's got a he's got a pair of apricots. He's got a pair of pueblins, and uh, and that's what he's doing. And I, I think it's fantastic. But it just goes back to what you were saying: is like get that plan in order. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But at the same time, why we do it? We do it because of the reasons we talk about. Yeah, and and I'm like I said, I'm sharing my experience when I first got into this. 
um, I started buying my first snake that I purchased was a corn snake. My second purchase was a Pueblo milk snake. My third purchase was a ball python. And then my wife's like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to breed? Where are you going with this? You're getting all these animals. You got to feed them. And I, at the time, I didn't really think about it. I just like, oh, I like them all. If I could get every single, you know, species on earth, I would get it. But my wife was like, hey, listen, you know, you got to really think about what you want to do. And I'm like, yeah, I think I could afford it. I think I could take care of it. And in my first few years as I was raising these animals, I'm like, what do I really want to do? Mm-hmm. And then after a while, after my my male was already getting to that point where he was mature enough to breed, I was like, I want to start. Technical difficulties. Yeah, Vic froze. Uh, on to like to that note, I think there is yeah. a, a certain level of trial and error that you have to. I mean, obviously, you can't just decide what you want to work with if you haven't haven't kept them. You know, so. right, right. Yeah, my uh, my part of the internet um, glitched out. I apologize. Um, it's all right. Getting back to the corn snakes. So my wife was like, "All right, you want to bring corn snakes? No problem." So I had uh, um, a family member that had a female and I had the male at the time. So they gave me the female and I bred them that following year, which was in 2018. And she produced a clutch of 25 eggs. And unfortunately, she passed away. Yes, that was amazing. And uh, she passed away a few months afterwards. Um, I guess she was egg bound. And um, she passed the eggs finally like a After a few weeks of that, she finally passed. I had to put her, I had to bury her. It was horrible. Well, at least um, she she went out with a bang, man. Yeah. 25. Yeah. And out of those 25, um, only 17 hatched full term. And they were like the most amazing thing I've seen. In fact, they hatched on my birthday. And I was like, wow, happy birthday to me. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, oh, I want to, you know, I, and then I sold them right within um, that within a couple of months. I hit up uh, somebody hit me up on Craigslist. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Joe Russell from Russell Russell's Reptiles. He's a breeder out in um, Tarpon Springs. Um, He hit me up. He bought the whole clutch, the clutch off of me. Um, And I was like, wow, I got like 400 bucks. I was like, oh, I can do something like this. I could see myself, you know, expanding. So the next year I was looking for um, Pueblins. And uh, I ran into Joe again. And he was like, hey, you breeding again this year? I said, yeah, but I, I'm trying to look for a male for my female. He goes, oh, why don't you breed the corn snakes? They're pretty badass. I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. They never, She never bred with him. And um, I wound up coming across the Hondurans that I have now. Well, actually, one was a Honduran, one was a Nelson's. And... Um, I put them all together just to see if they'd stimulate breeding. And next thing I know, I separated them the next day. Um, the female problem came out pregnant. She laid five eggs and they just came out like Nelson's. And I'm like, interesting. So uh, the Nelson was the father. So that was my first hybrid. And um, it, just, cool. it, took, it took me a while. Like nobody wanted to buy them. Um, I hit a, 
hit up Joe. Hey, uh, do you want to buy these off of me? Not at the moment right now because I didn't really sell the corns that you that you sold me last year. I'm like, all right, no problem. So I wound up going to a local reptile store, just, you know, giving them to them just to get them out the house. And I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know what you're doing, and a lot of times people like frown upon hybrids, you don't want to get into that 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 um that rut of doing that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But I did it again last year, my final time doing that. I'm sorry, give me one second, guys. Oh. Here you go, babe. No, that's the car. Thank you, babe. Ah, sorry. Um, so I bred them again last year for the final year. Um, and I hatched three different clutches from the Pueblins to the Nelsons. And I sold all but three of the babies, which I kept back three of them for myself. So I want to start a little project with them. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna be... Like, what did... What's your decision in, in holdbacks? Like, what determines what you want to... Like, what do you, do you look for? Anything look in particular? The, anything that stands out? Yeah, I look at the patterns of the face and their striping, the the the, the, the uh, triads. I look at those patterns and the facial patterns. Um, also the coloration, which ones are like the brightest of the of the clutch. And I held back out of the three clutches, I held back one from each clutch. One male, two females. So I'm going to hold those up, raise them up and uh, see what they produce. Because the father, is, the, the side, that's the most. No, no, I was going to say, that's the most rewarding, too, is when you raise it up and then produce. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the best. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll happen in another two years from now, but I'm not I'm not in a rush. I'll enjoy them now as they're young. That's, I think that's one of the big things with anybody that's sort of pursuing the, the breeding thing is, like, enjoy taking your time. Yeah, you know? that's one thing I you, teach you myself, can't, patience. Yeah, you can't get them up to size overnight, so you might as well just enjoy it. And mm -hmm. you know. yeah, I almost kind of forgot what I got into this because I I started off with hatchlings. My corn snake was a hatchling. My milk snake was a hatchling. My ball python was a hatchling, and all three of them I raised them up to breeding, and they all bred for me. And I I like like wow, what it's like to have them. And now I have all these babies, mm -hmm. and I'm like, what do I do with them? Oh, I want to see what they're gonna produce when they get older. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So what's the what's the plan for for J babies within the next? I actually am hoping years, like near get, future, distant future. I give myself like another five years. I want my own facility. It doesn't have to be a big one, but just enough that you know they're out of my room because mm -hmm. you know how the colubrids are. You feed them once, they they poop a bunch yep. of times, and it it stinks. I come home, I could smell them when I come into the house. And my wife, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and um, my wife has a candle in. She goes, they went to the bathroom. Like, I can smell, babe. I got it. And no matter how many times I clean them, they go back to the bathroom again. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to have my own place to get them out of here. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, want, I want my own facility. I want to expand as far as with other python species and other colubrid species. I want to get um, old world rat snakes. I want to start working with them. I want to get into some uh, Vietnamese blue, blue blue beauty snakes. Oh my gosh. Those awesome. Gorgeous. Oh yeah. You need some beards. Oh yeah, those are nice too. And, and even the subox. Sub 
The suboxone are pretty yeah. nice. They, they're actually they're starting to grow on me. I was looking at them from I'm like, oh, those things are bug eyed. And then as I started looking into them, I'm like, wow, these things got some really cool patterns. Yeah. And the colors are pretty nice too. I was the same way. I always got them and and Texas rats mixed up, and I was like, why would anybody want those? They're you know demonic. And then I read more, and I was like, okay, these are actually yeah actually sweet. Like, why don't I? Have they, got, these? they just got this look about them that they just like they just look like like don't don't mess with me. Like I'll mess you up. They got that mean look to them, that mean grill look, and um, I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. Well, it's funny with the subox because their eyes are so big, and when they're looking around, like you can't be intimidated by them. Like they, no. they look so stupid, it's adorable. <laughs> yeah, and you see their eyes, like you, like when they look, like they're looking at you. Like it's it's really interesting. Like some rat snakes, you know, like corns and stuff, you can tell like they're looking at you, but mm -hmm. like transpecos, it's like they're looking at you. Yeah, yeah. They're I don't focused. know how to describe it. Yeah, like the you they're see focused. their their eye and their head kind of tilt a little bit, and mm -hmm. they're like they're hundred percent like trying to figure yeah, out yeah, what exactly you. your intentions yeah. are. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. I feel like we don't give them enough credit that they're due. Yeah, these things are high. I feel they're highly intelligent. Mm -hmm. I can tell, especially like the bears and stuff, man. Like they're they they're very aware, you know. Not the sharpest tools in the shed by any means, but they're uh, they know like when you're in the cage and it's not feeding time. They're like, yeah, it's just him mm -hmm. doing whatever he does, whatever. So. I mean, and like look at the look at the nature of the species at hand. Like you're talking about birds and subox and stuff. Like, and even some of the the tricolor milks. Like, they live in an area that's either extremely hostile overall. Uh -huh. And and the habitats are are very extreme at times, and it's like you got to have your head in a swivel to survive. You yeah, know? and I think that that makes them awesome. You know, it does. It gives them such a personality. Let's the jump off topic. For, I'm sorry. Let's jump off topic for a minute. Let me ask you each a question. If if you could have any species in the world to work with, what would it be, Philip? Oh, that's tough, man. Because, like, there's stuff, there's species of snakes that I've dreamed about seeing in person. I've never seen them in person. Um, and I'm afraid that, like, I'm one of those guys where it's like, all right, what if I pick that? And it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you know right? what I mean? Like for, like, for example, like, the Notecus genus, like the Australian tiger snakes. I was oh, obsessed man. I was obsessed as a kid with those things. And then the more Aussies I talked to, they're like, yeah, they kind of suck. <laughs> they yeah. never, they never hood up. They poop a lot. They, they don't ride a hook all the time. It's like, they just yeah, look cool from afar, but, but they're amazing. <laughs> you know, they're amazing. So I, I don't know. I what would about say the red black snakes. I think those are freaking cool. Yeah. Red belly blacks are awesome. I've, I've worked with red belly blacks. They're, they're cool. They're, uh, they're cool. The, uh, I like the, um, I had the opportunity of, of messing with a, a pop one for a while. Okay. Pop, pop one black was incredible. It honestly reminded me, it was so Taipan like, but way, way smarter in my opinion, way smarter. And, and that was awesome. But I don't know, man, it's tough. It's tough. Cause like you said, like, there's, there's so, so many, things, there's so, so many, many there's so many animals. Them. Yeah. I don't know. Just about you, Justin. See, that's tough because lately I've been on this, like this hardcore fascination with Trimeresterus macrolepis, the large scale pit vipers. 
Yeah. Ordinarily, I would say Atheris Nishii, the, the Sedge Vipers are Great Lakes Bush Vipers. But yeah. those Macrolepis, dude, like, they call them large scales for a reason. It's like, it's borderline plates. It's not even scales. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if anybody even has those. Does anybody even keep those? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. They're so cool looking. Um, Maybe, um, then, what's his name? Damn, what the, the guy um, that he does, the Viper Keeper? He might have a pair of those, or he might have one. I bet you Henry's had them at some point. Knowing Henry <laughs> and all the weird stuff he's he's got. Yeah, right. He'll probably message me when he hears this and go like, they suck. They're horrible. <laughs> I hated them. They're King Cobra food. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. His fa famous quote. And then if we're talking about like the Americas, Bothriacus, Bicolor, because those are just gorgeous with the blue and the green, altered like the bands and stuff. It's just not so pretty. Nice. You know what? I'll pick one that's that's completely not in my like wheelhouse at all, but I'll pick it is Okinawa Habu because there's none in this country. There's very few in Europe, and that is an incredibly intelligent arboreal species that is just just super impressive to me. You know, okay. like I have friends that were Marines stationed out in Japan and they saw them and like they, they said they would see them like around barracks and stuff. And it's one of those things where how many snakes you see in the wild where it sees you first and it hauls ass, right? Yeah. These things would stop and stare at the Marine and the Marines like the hell are you looking at, <laughs> you know? And then the snake would kind of just like slowly just slither off. Like I'm watching you human, you know, and yeah. just hearing, hearing those stories, man, like, and again, I've never seen one in person. So, I mean, it could be a horrible, horrible snake, but yeah, uh, just still fascinating. So I think that. that just means we need to go to Japan, buddy. Yeah, Protobothrops flavoviridus. That would be cool. What about you, Vic? I, if you're talking snakes, I would love, 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 love to get a king tiger rat. Yeah, man. Those things look demonic, but they just... The colors are just gorgeous. Oh yeah. Um, now, if we're talking crocodiles, I, I, I'm a big crocodile fan. I love crocs. I would love to get me an Indian gharial. Yeah. That'd be I awesome. wish I had the space for a dwarf caiman. I really like dwarf caimans, but no, those just... those things are evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been to a few pet stores in my local area, and I think they each one has one. And every time I go approach the cage or in the enclosure, uh, yeah, you, you want to back up. The thing will bite, and it looks like a it looks like a dinosaur. Yeah, oh, their yeah. eyes are like, like there's something yes. just interesting, like different about their eyes compared to other crocodilians, where it's just it I don't know, there's like this blankness about them, where like you can yeah, tell like their brain almost looks like it's the Windows screensaver just bouncing mm -hmm. inside. Yeah, but they're totally paying attention to what's exactly. going on. <laughs> it's crazy. It looks so like so a cute. giant crested gecko. And I'm looking at them like, is that real? They're like, you stick your hand in it, you're going to find out. I'm like, can I? And they're like, no, don't, don't, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, maybe eventually one day when I have more space, I'll, I'll get one. Because if I want to do those, I want to give them due justice, you know, and, and give them the right amount of space. I feel like it seems like a lot of people get them and don't give them nearly enough, you know. Yeah. Especially even babies, you know, I feel like they need a little more than a 40-gallon yeah, I mean, they, they hear the name like Dwarf. and They probably and it, outgrow that very quickly, too. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah, they hear the name Dwarf, 
and they automatically assume it's only going to get two foot long, and not realizing that they still get six, seven foot, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Travis and then it, Lagerheim has some, and I've, I've been trying to get him to come on the show to talk about them because he keeps keeps them and he keeps them right. Like he's nice. got full blown setups in his garage that are like that's us. Yeah, so definitely want to get him on to talk about that. It's just been hard to pin him down schedule wise. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So I gotta ask, where the name J Babies come from? Good story. Good story behind that. Yeah. Um, as I just mentioned earlier, I have four kids. Each one of them is starts with the letter J. I have my oldest daughter Jaylene, my oldest son Josiah, youngest son Jeremiah, my youngest daughter Jasmine. My wife calls them her J babies. Hence the name J-Babies. It just stuck. I had to just go with it. It just sounded interesting. That's fantastic. Thank I was you. not I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> yeah, it is like yeah. where'd you come up with that name? J-Babies. That's that's just odd. It sticks out. Nobody's nobody's gonna forget yeah, it. And it, it and it's exactly just, it's unique. Exactly. It's great. I think it's fantastic. Now thank you. Are, are your are the are the J babies interested in reptiles at all or no? Uh Yes and no. My daughter um, at the reptile show back in New York, um, she got herself a black and white Argentine tegu. My son got himself a pixie bullfrog. And the guy that sold it to my wife said, it, you know, hey, these things get pretty big. But when he sold it to her, it was a tiny little thing like this little. So my wife said, oh, it looks cute. It ain't going to get any bigger. Then she saw this monstrosity next to all the other ones and she goes, oh what is that she goes the guy after he sold it to her he goes yeah that's the thing you just bought no Heck refunds no refunds. <laughs> so, no refunds no returns yeah no returns, awesome. but that that thing was such an interesting animal to have it got so massive and we actually brought it down here to florida before it passed away um and i had it inside of a another critter cage and um on the ride down, it got out. It broke out of its enclosure and it bit the back of my ankle. It made me bleed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Yes. Dude. I'm driving and this thing bites me and I'm like, ah, what was that? <laughs> the next thing I know, we pull over and my I'm leaking. I'm like, oh shit, this thing got teeth. <laughs> ah, well, and, I, and then I come to find out these things have fangs and I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing is aggressive. So that's yeah, crazy. I used, to feed it, I used to feed it the local frogs and whatever I could catch out here, and it was a massive. I I'd catch the uh, cane toads out here, throw them in there, and you'd see them like a wrestling match. You body slamming it all over the enclosure, and then you see them engulf the whole thing. I'm like, wow, this thing's a beast. That's gnarly. That's yeah. awesome. Imagine finally yeah. like seeing one of those in the wild, dude. You're like just walking oh along, and you see one of those giant just diesel pixies just sitting yeah. there waiting for a small gazelle to walk by. Oh my god. <laughs> I've seen yeah. videos on those things eat like mice and, and mm-hmm. lizards and whatever comes to it. it. It don't care. Even a human that'll attack it. It's crazy. It's funny how motion oriented they are. Yes, they are. You know? I have a video clip of um of mine next to my milk snake at the time. Um, and he's this milk snake is moving around his enclosure, and you see the frog trying to jump and have to go after it. I got to send you guys the link to the, the video clip today. You guys are going to be amazed. It's crazy. That's and then awesome. I, have another, I have another clip of it eating a, um, 
a ring neck snake that I found. I was like, oh, let me just see what this thing will eat. And of course, he he downed it like nothing, like it was spaghetti. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if it, if it moves and they can fit it in their stomach, oh yeah, it's it's, going, it's, it's gone. It's over. it's over. Man, that's cool. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear the kids are into it too. You know. Yeah. Make, I got makes, my, my youngest one. It. He's like, he's like, Dad, um, can I earn some money to put to get some V bucks? Can I clean your snake enclosures? Can I feed them? Can I change their water? I'm like, oh, now you want to be involved in this? But um, yeah, they when they, you know, I try to get them in as early as I can. My youngest daughter, she's in love with them. I could give her the biggest snake I have, and she'll handle like a champ. I teach them to um, respect them, not fear them. It's great. It's great. And I, I mean, were they always like, was there ever a point where they were sort of not into them, where they were not a fan? No, they were always into them since little because um, when I lived in New York, I was I had a membership to the Bronx Zoo mm -hmm. and I would always take them there and go into different um, enclosed. I used to spend most of the time in the reptile exhibit looking at all the different reptiles and just my kids were just fascinating at what I was fascinated at, at the time. So, you know, at an early age, I've got them into the love of animals. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny because my, my daughter, you know, before we bought the house and stuff, she, she wanted nothing to do with any of them. And then, of course, as soon as we buy the house, she sees me working in there and doing stuff. Now she comes in, you know, can I hold this? Can I hold that? Yeah. You know, I'll have a cyanide while I'm cleaning the cage or something. Can I hold that one? I'm like, absolutely not. And, <laughs> you know, just she wants like even... Like I'll have one of the like the scrub or something out, and he's like trying to murder me, and she's like, "Can I hold it?" And I'm like, well, "Seriously?" It's like I don't even want to hold this damn thing. I'm like Jesus. Hey, that's a that's an early start. But I'll let her hold the beards and stuff. There like you that. go. So, really hey, you can't hold this, but I'll let you hold this to start. She, like the big the male brettles. If I have him out, she, can I hold him? I'm like, sure. You know, pay close attention because he is. She's small enough, and he's big enough to where if he wrapped her, you know, it would be wouldn't be a good time but yeah he's he's pretty trustworthy i mean i always have a slight shadow you know shred of doubt you know and and but for the most part he's but he's you're there well monitoring up. it so it's all good yeah yeah but it's just she just wants to hold everything i'll clean the cage can i hold it can i hold it can i hold it yeah my daughter's the same way and she's so petite you see her trying to you know manage this big ball python <laughs> and it's like dad it's falling it's falling i'm like okay baby i got it. give it back it's just it's odd because I expected that transition. Well, I mean, a I didn't think she'd ever be into him as much as she has become. Um, but I was it, it happened very quickly. Like once we got the house and stuff, it was like within no time she was like, "Oh, I want to help." And I was like, "Well, okay, yep. what happened?" Like <laughs> two weeks ago, you wanted nothing to do with them, right? No, no. <laughs> Kids are weird, man. Hey, man, hook them while they're young, you know. Yeah, that's it. She did want to be a veterinarian at one point, but her her choice of dream career seems to change on a weekly basis. So yeah, my kids, my kids too. They want to be astronauts one week, then they want to be a computer tech the next week. My daughter wants to do study veterinarian, so I'm, you know, pushing her to do that. Mm -hmm. She wants to do marine biology too, so I'm like, hey, come to my school. They have a big, they have a huge science department, especially with marine bio. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty much I'm friends with most of the uh, teachers there. Um, and it goes back to a story like 
I kind of second guessed myself with determining the sex of these animals. So I reached out to one of the professors in the school and asked them, um, hey, does this school do kind of like tests when they study cells of an animal, whether if you give them a sample of a skin or a shed or something like that, could you determine the sex? Oh, you need to reach out to this professor, Ron Rosar. He's, he's a biology teacher there. He, he should you know help you out. So when I reached out to him, we hit it off pretty much right away. And um, he helped me determine the sex of all my animals. And he kind of like backed up my, my guessing of it. And it made me like feel more confident of how I sex my animals now. So I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know what I was talking about. Didn't want to second guess myself, but um, we became good friends. Yeah, that whole that's process great. is really cool. We had we had Ben Moral on years. Well, yeah, because it's been years now. Uh, and he did that. He does that sexing via the the skins and stuff. It's pretty cool. That yeah, that they can do that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Like I said, I was gonna reach out to. I don't know, some university that does it. You send them a sample, mm-hmm. you, send, you pay them $25, and they'll give you back the results of what it is, a male or female. So I was going to do that, and this guy was like, I'll just bring your animals here. I'll just probe them. I said, oh, cool. I took yeah. my kids, went there on a day off, and he sexed all my animals. And I'm like, oh, okay. So they were what I thought they were. He goes, yeah. Why, why would you second guess yourself? I'm like, well, they weren't breeding or, you know, they weren't showing any signs of interest in each other. And it kind of, kind of got me thinking like, damn, are these actually what they are or right. am I totally wrong? But he was like, he confirmed it. He's like, no, they're, they are what they are. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm the same way. I know if I, I'll always second guess at least a little bit of it. And if I sell something and I like, I pop the, the six cyan of the night yeah. and I got 3.3, but mm-hmm. when I sell those to somebody and be like, look, this is what I what it seems to be to me. I will I you know I can't guarantee that, but yeah. But I mean, like the popping and then the you know the tail to, to vent length seem to line up pretty accurately with with the two. So I don't know. Yeah, it's like with my my, my my female Pueblin. Like when I first got it, I looked at the tail length and I'm like, oh, this looks like a female. Then as it got older, the tail grew longer and thicker, and I'm like, wait a second, is it a girl or is it a boy? Then I took it to a pet store and the guy's like, oh, I know how to do this. Here, bring it to me. I'll sex it for you. I'm like, all right, cool. So when he went to sex it, he sexed it as a male. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I just need to find a female for her. Then I went looking for one. I didn't find one. And then lo and behold, she gave birth. And I'm like, oh, there you go. She's a female. (laughs) It's always (laughs) concerning when someone probes it and you thought it was a female. And they're like, oh, it's a male. It's like. Yeah, because he thought what, I had to it when he probed it, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, interesting." And then when she lays eggs, I'm like, "What the hell's going on with this? Like, is it a male or a female, or maybe it's a hermaphrodite? I don't know." But wow. she laid eggs, and she laid. And the thing with that is, she's late. She's double clutched for me, and I've always found it strange. I'm like, "Can they do that? Like, if you haven't paired them, can they retain sperm?" Mm-hmm. from the previous breeding and then just lay eggs a second time. Cause she's done that twice in two years already. And right now I haven't paired it with anyone and she's already developing eggs. And I'm like, I'm just going to wait to see what she does. See if she lays any slugs or if she lays any valuable eggs or mm-hmm. if she just reabsorbs her follicles. I don't know, but I'm um, just, just, I have to wait and see. She's just finished shedding. So I'll give her another week and see what she does. Very cool. Gotcha. It's great that you're taking note on that, you know? Yeah. 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 
Well, where can people get a hold of you if they want to get in touch? Uh, they could reach out to me on my email address, which is jbabiesreptiles at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram, j underscore and reptiles underscore and babies at Instagram, or I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook account, jbabiesreptiles, or you could just reach out to me, Victor Loriano, on Facebook. Nice. nice. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. Thank Absolutely. you, man. Again, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a long time coming. Loved it. Thank you. Thank you. We'll have to when I when I have some corns and beards, we'll have to we'll have to talk. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Should be. And congratulations soon. on that clutch of uh, corn snakes that you just had. I mean, that she. Yeah, laid I mean, it's it's hard to believe that it's like I'm halfway through incubation already. I'm used to the cyania being like a hundred plus days. Oh my god! Be like a month in and be like, wait, we're almost done. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Weird, but... It seems long, but then it goes by so fast. Mm-hmm. It goes by but even faster know? when it's other people's eggs. Oh yeah! It boy. seems like my buddies, like Luke, ha- produces. He gets a chondro clutch, and it feels like two weeks later he's like, "Oh yeah, they're hatching." It's like you just got those. Like what the hell? And then yeah. when I get them, it feels like freaking Benjamin Button, and it's like mm-hmm. takes <laughs> a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And talking about the uh, chondros, don't give up. I'm, that's I'm not. Don't give yeah. up. Yeah. Was, that's what I wanted to chime in last on on Monday. Don't give up, man. Don't lose hope. Get back on the horse. Just just pick up from where you left off. You got to build the scene back going. up. That's it. Got to build you back have a momentum. Bunch of people in your back corner, bro. I'm one of them. I'm a big fan of yours, dude. You're doing so much stuff for this hobby, this community. You too, Phil. I love Thank what you, you guys are doing. Thanks, I love buddy. it. Thanks, yeah, man. you're welcome, man. You're welcome. All right. Well, this show was brought to you by once again Steve Snakeshuary and his Venom Hot Sauce and MP Cages and Exotics. Please check out both. Uh, whether you need a cage or you need some hot sauces, they have you covered. So, and whatever Phil's beard oil is, get some of that too. <laughs> oh, let me know, man. I got. I, I. I like to. I'm trying to grow my beard in, but I can only grow it. But it was like a quarter inch. No, they actually measure it though. Do they take like a, a ruler? No, if like, it, oh, it looks kind of burly. They will say something to me at my job. Yeah. This is something new that they're trying to like. You know, hey, we'll try it out now. You guys can grow your beards, um, but it can't go past a quarter inch. And then if it looks too bushy or it looks overgrown, uh, you need to cut it down, Vic. I'm like, all right, that's you got better it. than not being able to have one at all. You know? Yeah, that's oh, true. Gosh. I got a lot of cop buddies years. here that cannot wait. They have a month for charity where they can grow out a beard. Oh, and they yeah, all get November? so excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. I love my beard. I wish I could have grown it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I think Phil came out of the womb with his. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's crazy is so my, my brother, uh, he's nine years younger than me. And, uh, you know, I, I've always had a beard as long as I can remember. And in my I went to public school and they didn't care if you had facial hair in public school, but he went to private school and uh, you were only allowed to have facial hair as a senior. So from his last day of his junior year of high school to the first day of summer, he grew a massive, gnarly, crazy beard, Be- wow. better, better beard than I ever could grow. And uh, he showed up, shows up at school and everyone's like, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> they're like, oh, th- that's that's Ryan. Well, that, he's got a beard. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know. I know that feeling of being able to, you know, have it. You know. Yeah, I want to get mine 
a nice length and just, you know, just have it straight out. That's what I want to do. But right now it's like, I feel like it's all matted and dry and it just like falls apart every once in a while. Like hairs just keep coming out little by little. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm going bald on my beard too. Come on, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, well, y'all. Well, once again, Vic, thank you. Yeah, Vic, thank you thanks. Guys. Appreciate it, man. We'll uh, see everybody for Snakes and Stogie 76 Monday at 9. There may or may not be a ContraCast happening Sunday night. Ooh. Trying to, Ooh. See if, trying to see if Luke and David can make it happen. Nice. Can't wait. So I don't know if that'll be live or not. Haven't really decided. Got to make sure they're cool with it. See what we'll do. But Awesome. I don't know. It's different. Like when you do the live versus pre-recorded, there is sort of a, I don't know if Phil would agree with this, but there's like a different sort of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, a completely, it's a completely different know. feel. Yeah. But yeah. with, the, with these pre-recorded, you could manipulate, you know, you could edit whatever you want out of it. Um, with the lives, you just go as it goes. Yeah. Play the cards that are dealt. Yeah. Exactly. We don't do any editing here at THP. <laughs> we, do, we do not. All right, cool. All raw. Nice. <laughs> we let the let the chips fall where they where they may. Yep. Yeah. But all right, everybody have a good evening. We'll see y'all on Monday. Awesome. Bye. Good night, all. Later.